Thank you to uh, Jacob and Dawson, and uh, looks like Dawson's ready to play in the playoff game this afternoon. <laughs> but happy Mother's Day to all the moms, and uh, I hope all the moms have a great day today uh, celebrating uh, Mother's Day. Uh, I'm going to sing a little song here for you, uh, and um, this is going to be, uh, you're going to think I'm crazy because, first of all, I'm a crazy bad singer. <laughs> and and uh, second of all, you're either going to think, wow, that song goes way back, or I have never heard that song, and this is about the cheesiest song you could ever sing. Uh, but okay, here you go. Now, if you know this song, which means you've been a Christian for a long time and probably went to Sunday school when you were a kid, join with me, all right? Here we go. The B-I-B-L-E... Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. <laughs> All right. So that brings back some uh, long memories. In fact, I have those memories because my mom took me to Sunday school when I was a kid. Uh, but I love that song because... Well, I love it because it has memories, but the main thing I love about it is when it says we stand alone on the Word of God. And that, as Christians, is, uh, is the foundation for what we believe and, and how we, uh, for the foundation of our faith. So as we have said, we're looking forward to Pentecost Sunday, which we're celebrating on June 5th. And as we do, we're considering this, these two spectacular gifts that God gives us. One, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and two, the gift of the church. And one of the things that the early church does right from the beginning, as soon as uh, uh, believers started to meet together, it says that they met together. This is Acts uh, 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In other words, to the Bible and to uh, studying the scriptures, to understanding it and to putting it into practice, to applying it to our lives. And so this is a part of our sermon series, Life Together and Life Apart. And what we're going to do together today is to consider God's word in our lives, in our lives individually, as we are apart, as we study the word of God together uh, on our own, and then as we gather together. And the centrality of God's Word for us in our life together as a church. Our main passage this morning is 2 Timothy 3, and we're going to be looking at uh, verse, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 4, 4. Uh, so turn uh, to that passage, and um, as you turn there, uh, I'm going to just take a minute. Let's just pause for a moment, and then we'll find our place and... Uh, and go from there. But let's, let's pause for a moment and ask that God would come and speak to us. Father God, as we turn our attention to your word now, we want to learn about the word. We want to learn about the, the significance and the importance of the Bible in our lives. And uh, God, we probably take that for granted. Um, I know I have numerous copies of God's Word, and yet, uh, it, and yet we can begin to uh, not give it the priority in our lives as we should. 
So God, I pray that today you would come and you would speak to us, you would impress upon our hearts the value of the Bible in our lives. And God, may by your Holy Spirit that lives in each person here that trusts in you, may you tug at their heart and give them not only the desire to do it, but the the will and the motivation and the plan and the, and the pursuit to study your word and to apply it to our lives. And so, God, we commit this sermon to you. May it all ultimately be you speaking to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so if you haven't uh, found your way there, uh, f- uh, go to 2 Timothy 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 16 through 4-4. And as you uh, get there, I just want to give us a little background to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy uh, was written by Paul to Timothy, and uh, he was a young pastor at the church in Ephesus at the time when he received this letter. And one interesting note about Timothy, this is especially interesting being that today is Mother's Day, is he was brought to the faith by his mom and his grandmother. In fact, we, uh, we, get the, we find that out earlier in 2 Timothy. Chapter 1, verse 5, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith with, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that now lives in you also. Isn't that wonderful? Never underestimate the power of a mom. Uh, and, the, and the value that a mom can have or a grandmother can have in passing on the faith to their children or to their grandchildren. And so in light of that, let me just say one more time, God bless you moms, and uh, may you continue to pray for your kids and your grandkids and seek to live a godly example and seek to teach them the Word of God. Okay, so this is Timothy receiving this uh, letter from Paul, and we're going to read now from 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 4, 4. And it says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from truth and turn aside to myths. The first thing that this passage says here is he says, uh, all Scripture. And that's very easy for us to, first of all, understand. All of it, from Genesis 1-1 to the end of the Bible, the last verse in Revelation, is the Word of God. The Greek word here that is translated into our two English words, all scripture, is graphi, which literally means sacred writing. It is amazing to think that the words that we have in the scripture are sacred. We talk about them being the words of God. And if we get our minds around that, that is quite remarkable, that the God, the creator of the universe, 
who by his word spoke uh, the, the world and the universe into existence, has spoken to us in a tangible form, in a book that we have before us. These are God's words, and we ought not to take that for granted. So in context, what Paul is surely referring to here is the Old Testament scriptures. At the time of this writing, that's what they would have had as their all scripture. But we as Christians understand uh, and, uh, that the, both the Old Testament and the New Testament are God's words for us. And so the first section of our Bible, called the Old Testament, it, uh, is made up of 39 books and takes up about three-quarters of our Bible. Uh, it was written before Christ, looking forward to the Messiah. And in the Old Testament, we see that uh, Israel is God's special people who are chosen and called to represent God on this earth. And in the second section, the New Testament, we have the remaining 26 books. So there's 66 books in all in the, in the Bible. And the New Testament is about a quarter of our Bible. And though it is smaller, in some ways the New Testament stands out to us because of just the straightforwardness and the application we see in it. In the New Testament, it obviously comes after Jesus. And so the first Four books are called the Gospels, the life of Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then we have the history of the church in Acts. And, uh, and then we have several letters written to the churches or to individuals by Paul, by Peter, by John, by Jude. And, uh, and this makes up the New Testament. So it's, uh, so it's 66 books in all, a total of 40 human authors written over the course of 1,500 years. And, and when we imagine that, when we understand that there are uh, 40 different authors over such a long uh, span of time, it's quite remarkable that there is a unity throughout all of it. Uh, there is a message that is, uh, goes from the beginning to the end that exists without contradiction, and with great clarity. And that leads us to the understanding that there is, that this is inspired by God. So though it has 40 human authors, it also has one divine author. That, that God is behind all of it, uh, uh, giving us these words, his words. And that is part of what Paul means here when it says that all scripture is God-breathed. It's as if God breathed uh, uh, his words into Moses and David and uh, the prophets and the gospel writers and Paul and all the others. So that what comes out of it is dual authorship. Now, it doesn't diminish the fact that Paul or, uh, or, or Moses or David, they're fully engaged it's not like they're in some sort of trance just writing down uh, words and, uh, and God is somehow moving through him. No, no it's 100% their words and 100% God's words through them. 
And so God breathes in them to work and move in their hearts and in their lives so that the words that come out of their mouths that are either recorded or come directly from their pen are God's words for us. And that means that there is great depth to this word. Scholars will study this word forever and never come to the, to the end of it. There's such depth to the, uh, to the Word of God. But yet there is also a simplicity that even a little child can understand. This book is so unique in so many ways. It says that God's Word, is uh, all Scripture is God-breathed. He breathes into this. When I was in seminary, my professor said, always put the cookies on the bottom shelf. And what he meant by that is the sweetest stuff makes sure everybody can get it. And God's Word has so much sweetness that when we, uh, when we come to it, it, is, it, we are able to grasp it. And then it has such a depth that we can just keep going up on higher and higher shelves and getting more and more of God's truth. And it, uh, and it con- uh, continues to apply to our lives. Now, when I think of the idea of God breathing the scriptures, uh, God breathing into the, the biblical writers to, to uh, write down scriptures that have divine interpretation. Think of the idea that as humans, we need breath to live, right? If you've ever seen a person that has, uh, been, uh, that has stopped breathing, you know that this is a dire situation. CPR is needed until they and uh, and and we have and they have to get air into their lungs, otherwise they're going to expire very quickly. And uh, and so someone comes and who knows how to do CPR and they and they put the their breath into that person until they can begin to breathe on their own. God's word has life like that. uh, His word comes and breathes into us so that it gives us life. And the result is that we have an inspired word that is what we say it is infallible, it is inerrant, and it is authoritative. The Bible is infallible in that it is reliable and uh, does not deceive or mislead. In other words, the Bible is completely true and will lead us into truth. The Bible is inerrant in that it is written without error. It does not have errors. It does not have contradictions. It does not have mistakes. Now, many have tried to prove that the Bible has errors. Skeptics and and critics and historians and scientists and uh, archaeologists and all kinds of people have tried to prove that the Bible has errors. And I'll just say that the Bible has stood the test of time for centuries. And sometimes those that have have tried to show errors in in the scriptures have been shown to be fools over the test of time. I remember when I, uh, I learned about this a few years ago, that, there, that one of the, uh, that some historians and archaeologists have said, uh, who were studying the Bible, said, there's no city, there's no evidence of a city by the name of I that is found that we read about in Joshua. And uh, sure enough, 
It was just about a few years ago that they were out looking, uh, that they were doing an archaeological dig, and they came across evidence of the city of Ai. Over and over again, the Bible has proven itself to be accurate, to be reliable. Uh, Now, what we have in the Scriptures, we must remember, is not primarily a science book or a history book or an archaeology book or anything like that. The Bible is a book about God and our relationship with God. Now, it's not a science book, so we don't read it as a science book, even though it has things to say that relate to science. It's not ultimately a history book, though it has historical sections and history that we, uh, that we know jives with what it says in it. But the Bible is here to teach us about God and who we are in relationship to him. And so the, the Bible does not say everything about anything but it does have something to say about everything. So in other words, it gives us a prism, a grid, through which we can understand our lives and interpret the world around us. And the Bible is very faithful to that. The purpose for which it uh, is written is completely authoritative for our lives. So it helps us to understand what is going on in the world around us. It helps us to be able to understand what we hear about in the news, what we're, what we're going through in our families, what were decisions that we have to make. The Bible is authoritative in that it gives authority to everything that is going on in our lives. And, and so it says here that the Scriptures, this God-breathed Word of God, is useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. The Bible has the ability to guide us in all kinds of areas. It gives us exactly what we need every day for what we are going through. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes people will come to me after the service and they'll, and they'll say, man, what you said today just applied to my life exactly uh, what I'm going through. When you said this, and I'm thinking... I never said that. (laughs) But God's word has a way of meeting us right where we're at. And sometimes we need strength. And God's word has the ability to give us strength. And sometimes we're discouraged. And God's word has the ability to encourage. And sometimes we need guidance. And God's word has a special ability just to kind of guide us in whatever we're dealing with. And sometimes we need what the Bible says here, we need rebuking. And he comes and he convicts us of sin and he guides us into the, into the path that he would have us to go. God's word is inspired by God in, in that it was given two th- uh, over 2,000 years ago, his words exactly, and he continues to speak to each of us. In a sense, there's dual authorship and in a sense, there's dual inspiration. Now, we've got to be careful there. God doesn't inspire us in the same way that he did Uh, Moses, for example, but he does speak to us in a special way when we open up his word and we read it, he speaks to us what he has for us. Now that uh, is how the word of God applies to our lives, both individually and corporately as a church. And so Paul goes on to say here in 2 Timothy 4, 2, he says, preach the word. 
Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. When we gather together as a church, that's what I seek to do. Either myself or Pastor Darren, we stand up here to preach the word of God. I know no one comes here to hear my two cents, my opinion. No one cares what I think. I'm fully aware of that. All I'm trying to do is take the word of God that, is, that has the ability to teach, correct, rebuke, and train in righteousness. I'm trying to take that and to explain it to the best of my ability, to be faithful to the text, and to help us to apply it to our lives. You see, who cares what anyone uh, says? But we all care a lot about what God says. And so uh, Paul says, preach the word. This is part of the way that God takes his word and he applies it to our lives. Now that doesn't mean that the preacher is infallible. Sometimes God's word is infallible, but it doesn't mean that the preacher is infallible. Sometimes I make mistakes in my interpretation or I misspeak. There's been times where I've said stuff from up here that I wish I could take back. Because over time, I'm like, you know what? I'm not sure that's the right way to understand God's word, or I should have applied it differently. My job is to faithfully present God's word. Your job is to faithfully hear it, to study it, to seek to uh, understand the accuracy of it from God's word, and then to apply it to your life. I love uh, the example that is given uh, to us of doing this from Acts 11, or 17, 11. It says, and this is speaking of a church in the city of Berea, it says, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. Why? For they received the message with great eagerness. They came ready to hear. They came uh, ready to uh, receive the message. And then they examined the scriptures every day to see, what, to see if what Paul said was true. And that's your task. To come every Sunday eager to hear the word of God. Paul says, preach the word of God in season and out of season. All the time. Come eager to hear the word of God. And then to examine it. To see if what is said is true and then to apply the truth to our lives. Now, the application of it can be the difficult part. Paul goes on to acknowledge in verse 3, For a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And I read that verse and I ask, Is that the time we're living in? People not want to put up with sound doctrine? Do they simply want to uh, receive what their itching ears want to hear? And I would say, yes. That is the time we are in. People don't want to hear the Word of God. People don't want to hear it and, uh, and put it into practice. The world loves their own practices. They love their own lust and their gossip and their do-what-feels-good attitudes. And the Bible doesn't jive with those things because it guides us into truths that are hard to understand and hard to do at times. And so if this is your desire, 
to follow and obey the Word of God, let me just give you a warning. You're not always going to fit in. And it's going to be hard at times. And you're going to be called to do things that go against the flow. And, uh, and you've got to decide in your heart and mind, would I rather fit in uh, to this person's camp? Or would I rather fit in to what God has for me? Would I rather please them? Or would I rather please the Lord? And sometimes in the heat of the moment, that can feel very difficult. But I just want to encourage us by reminding us that what we have here, again, is God-breathed scriptures that breathes life into our souls. Remember what, when Peter was talking to Jesus, and Jesus says, do you want to go from, from away from me because I know my words that I'm saying to you are hard to receive? And Peter says, Lord, where else are you, we going to go because you alone have the words of life? And God's word alone gives us life. And though it is hard to do at times, his instructions actually lead us into the best life possible. And his instructions over time give, though they don't make us popular necessarily, they give our lives a certain attractiveness. Because it is from God's word that we receive strength for our lives. We receive peace. We receive joy. We receive guidance so that we don't make those dumb mistakes that we'll regret later on. There is an attractiveness to our lives when they are built on that firm foundation of God's word. When we stand alone on the word of God. So 2 Corinthians 2.15 says, For we are... We are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ. We're like a perfume from Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Even those who are perishing, even those that are standing against the commandments and the word of God, there is an attractiveness to our lives. And so here is my simple point. Let's let the word of God be our final authority. No matter what it says, let's do it. No matter how hard it seems, let's put it into practice. Because God's word is infallible, inerrant, and authoritative. And so as we uh, continue to look forward to Pentecost Sunday, today we are grounding ourselves in the word of God. This is important for our life together and our life apart. And so let me offer us, before we close today, let me offer us three points of application. Point number one is read your Bible every day. Read your Bible every day. If this is uh, God's word that has authority in our lives, that that can keep us from mistakes that we would make, let's make it a priority to read it every day. It's been said of God's word, this book will either keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. And that's true. This book will either keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. And so we have to make it a priority. Let's read our Bible every day. And, you can, and, and that means you need to have a plan. There's a lot of plans out there. 
If you read your uh, Bible on your phone, it probably has apps for a daily reading program. There's a ton of read through the Bible in a year programs. Or maybe you just say, I'm going to read a chapter a day or a section a day. The important thing is not to check a a box off of your uh, to-do list each day. It is to hear from the Lord. So your plan may vary over time. You may be in the Psalms for a while and then in the Gospels and then in another section of Scripture. The important thing is be in the Word in a systematic way so that you have discipline. There's there's 1,189 chapters in the Bible. If you were to read one chapter a day, that means you'd get through the Bible in about three and a quarter years. Now that sounds like a long time, But a chapter isn't that much. And how many people here have read through the Bible in the last three and a quarter years? Okay, great. There's like 15 of you. That's awesome. But that's that's the discipline we, we need to have, to read the Bible every day. The second application is do what it says. Take God's word simply at face value and put it into practice. I'll never forget when Eric uh, Lestick stood up here a couple months ago to give his testimony when he joined the church. He said the turning point in his life was when he decided, I'm just going to do what the Bible says no matter uh, if it makes sense to me or not. I'm just going to experiment. I'm going to do what it says. And he said it was like a light bulb went off. It didn't all make sense to him uh, before that point. And he knew it was going to be hard, but he said all of a sudden it came alive. And that's the key for us to come together uh, and and to come apart, to read God's word and simply decide no matter what it uh, says, I'm going to apply it to my life. I'm going to do what it says. And then the third application is to prioritize the preaching of God's word in your life. And that means that A, you are here Every Sunday, regularly, as the Scripture says, in season and out of season, that we prioritize the preaching of God's Word. And, uh, and as the Berean Christians did, we are eager to hear. You know, when we put in these chairs, I joke that we should have put a magnet in the, back of the, in, in the bottom of the chair, and then everyone had to have a magnet in the seat of their pants when they came. So you couldn't get up out of the chair until you got your application, and then I'd come around and release you. Well, we couldn't afford the big expensive magnet chairs. So now it's up to you. Uh, But it's important uh, to take God's word, to prioritize it, to take it and hear it and put it into practice. And so, and then my last application, this is not my main application, but I just want to say this because it's Mother's Day. Moms and dads too, teach your kids the word of God, right? Teach your kids the Word of God, because the best time to receive it for so many is when we are young, to receive it, to believe it, and, uh, and to apply it to our lives. When I was a kid, uh, my parents uh, took these three points of application, and they modeled it for me and my brother. Uh, I know they read their Bibles. I saw my dad reading his Bible every day. I come down in the morning and my dad would, uh, would have his knees on the ground and his elbows on the couch and he's sitting there praying. And, uh, and uh, I think back on this and this means so
so much to me. I know he was one that used the daily bread, and some of you use the daily bread for your Bible devotions. He read it out of the daily bread every morning, and then he would pray. And, uh, and I remember his prayers, because some of them I'm like, Dad, don't pray that. He'd pray for me and my brother, and every day he'd pray, God, uh, give my uh, sons good Christian wives someday. And I was like, Dad, don't pray that. Girls are gross. But now I love it because my dad was praying for, my, for Chelsea 25 years before we got married every day. And we pray the same thing for our kids. And they modeled the, uh, living out the Word of God to read it on their own. They applied it to their lives. I saw how my parents made tough decisions at times to put the Word of God into practice. And my, uh, and my parents prioritized the preaching of God's Word. Every time the church doors were open, we were there. And in those days, before like home Bible studies and that kind of stuff, that meant Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night Bible study. In fact, it was after a Sunday night service that the preacher opened up the Word of God and he preached a sermon on hell that I've joked, that night I got the hell scared out of me. And uh, because I came home and, uh, and I was disturbed. This was the Word of God. And if it was true, it meant that I was not going to heaven. I was going to spend eternity in hell. And uh, my parents came up, and by the grace of God, through the Holy Spirit at work in my heart and opened up the Scriptures to me, they shared about the love of Jesus and how I could be saved. And that was 37 years ago. And to this day now, I feel like I love the Word of God more now than I ever have. May God's word grow, may our love for God's word grow in our hearts every day that we would consider this to be so precious a treasure in our lives that we understand it has such value it is infallible it is inerrant it is, in, it is it is authoritative it can guide us into truth it can bring life into our lives so may we take it and may we value it. May we prioritize it. May we apply it to our lives. Because if we do, we will have the blessing of all that it has to offer. It will guide us into straight paths. It will lead us into truth. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for us. We'll stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it has truth and it can guide us into your ways. God, I thank you that uh, you speak to us. Every time we open up, our, uh, open up the Bibles uh, and begin to read, you speak to us. And sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it takes some digging and some hard work and some study and some prayer but God, you're faithful to reveal yourself through your word. And God, I pray that you would strengthen us to be faithful to bring ourselves to your word every day and every week in our life together and our life apart. May we take your word and may we read it and may we study it and may we simply do what it says. And God, I pray that over and over again, like, uh, like Eric testified a couple months ago, that the light bulb would go off 
that your truth would be uh, that your truth would enlighten our hearts that we would see things more clearly because we understand things from your perspective and God as we seek to to do it may you give us strength to uh, to put it into practice and we know that it is not always easy and we know that our itching ears want to go in a different direction at times but God help us to come back to you and to to take it, to receive it, and to put it into practice. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite our prayer counselors to come forward and to uh, be ready to receive anyone that would love to come and receive prayer today. And what a gift that is, to have someone that would, uh, whatever is on your heart, that they would simply lay their hand on, their sh- on your shoulder and, re- and you can receive prayer today. And God is, is faithful to hear those prayers in special ways. Why? Because where two or three are gathered together in his name, he is there with them. This is the ministry of binding and loosing so we, that God can, can uh, uh, bind us to his truth. Let's stand as we sing our last song.